Pruitt grabs control of water regulation as ethics allegations swirl. That story and more on H2O Radio's Weekly News Report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. As he was defending himself from a barrage of ethics complaints, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt declared last week that he is now the final authority on Clean Water Act decisions in regulating pollution. Technically speaking, he made himself the decision maker over what's called geographic jurisdiction, the determination of which bodies of water are protected under the Act. In the past, decisions about application of the Clean Water Act have been left to field offices of the EPA because deciding what's appropriate depends on local circumstances, according to former EPA career employee Betsy Sutherland, who spoke to Vox. A spokesperson for the Sierra Club told Inside Climate News that the reason Pruitt has retained control is to allow the agency to hand over a lot of natural resources to polluting interests. Among the ethical issues Pruitt faces is his use of Safe Drinking Water Act funds to increase the salaries of two people he brought to EPA with him from Oklahoma. The Atlantic reports that the White House had disapproved the pay boosts, but Pruitt went forward anyway in a manner that did not require presidential or congressional approval. In North Carolina, a trial began last week to determine if hog farms have to pay nearby homeowners for foul-smelling air. Ten families will attempt to prove that pig waste lagoons and the smell of dead hogs plague their properties to the point they can't even sit outside. There are about 2,100 farms and 9 million pigs, mainly in the southeast part of the Tar Heel State, almost as many animals as people. All the swine waste, unlike that of most humans, goes into open-air pits where the feces and urine stand untreated and break down to some extent. According to the publication Modern Farmer, the pits leak toxic waste into the environment besides smelling insanely bad. The remnants are liquefied and then sprayed onto nearby crops. A study from the University of North Carolina linked air pollution from the hog farms to reduced lung function, anxiety, and mucous membrane irritation. The North Carolina study also found that the hog operations disproportionately affect people of color. The trial is expected to last another five weeks. From the end of October until the middle of March, no rain or snow fell in Beijing, China, its longest drought on record. Despite the lack of precipitation, people in the city did not undergo any disruptions to their water service. The Economist reports that most of Beijing's drinking water comes from a canal and pipeline system that travels nearly 900 miles. South to north, as it's called, is the largest diversion in the world from one basin to another, and as The Economist notes, it addresses is China's worst environmental threat, not horrible air quality, but lack of water. Nearly 70% of Beijing's water needs are currently met by the South to North project, but China's needs are growing fast. Other sources are groundwater, which has been overpumped, leading to land subsidence and seawater intrusion. The project has had effects on rivers in the South. Less water in them is resulting in wetlands drying and contaminants building up. The increasing dryness, or aridification of the southwest U.S., has led to an 18-year period of low river and stream flows in parts of the Colorado River Basin. 
Another basin that is experiencing the lack of water is the Rio Grande. The Rio Grande is the third largest river in the lower 48, running 1,900 miles. It supplies 6 million people with water and irrigates 2 million acres. In spring, the Rio Grande usually swells with runoff, but according to New Mexico Political Report, the middle portion of the river has already dried up. It isn't unusual for the river to run dry for distances up to 90 miles, but this condition happening in April is unprecedented. Because of the lack of water, biologists have relocated about 15,000 silvery minnows to places where the river is running. And the Bureau of Reclamation is working with other agencies to create a pulse flow. There's been a lot of focus on plastic pollution in the Earth's oceans recently, but a report out last week in Science Advances shows it's affecting freshwater and land. Compost collected from homes and grocery stores is a source of microplastic particles less than 5 millimeters in length. When compost is spread over fields, it contains plastics that can be eaten by worms, gets into waterways, and even becomes airborne. The greatest amount of microplastics was from grocery store waste. A researcher who was not involved in the study told Science News that it made sense. For instance, a crate of rotting cucumbers wrapped in plastic doesn't just disappear. And finally, Henry David Thoreau spent two years at Walden Pond pondering how to live life simply. During his stay starting in 1854, he wrote that the water was so transparent, the bottom could easily be seen even 30 feet below the surface. But oh, how things change. Since then, human activity from pesticide use, seeping landfills, deforestation, and heavy use by tourists has altered Walden's ecosystem, according to a new study. Tourists are taking the biggest toll, say researchers from Paul Smith College. People recreating near the pond are eroding trails and sending sediment into the water. But another thing they deposit into the lake? Urine. Yes, people are peeing in the water, adding phosphorus to the pond, which is spurring the growth of phytoplankton. Plankton populations have increased significantly since the 1920s, when beach and bathhouse facilities popped up along the pond's shores, bringing more swimmers, resulting in murkier, greener waters. Climate change will exacerbate the situation. Not only will warmer, longer summers likely result in more recreational use, but they'll also create conditions conducive to the growth of plankton. So what to do, other than encouraging people not to pee in the pond? Perhaps we can quote Thoreau himself who said, we can never have enough of nature, and add that in many cases nature could have a little less of us. That's it for This Week in Water. We'll see you next time. This Week in Water is supported by the American Water Works Association, bringing together the best and brightest minds in the water sector at ACE 18. Learn more at awwa.org forward slash ACE 18.